Blog Talk Radio. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com. And now, let's join Mildred Lynn. Hello, everybody. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I'm your host for Healing Conversations. Our guest today is Magic, and Magic will be joining us from Sebastopol. Magic, are you there? Yes, I am. And by the way, I actually have two residences now. I'm also in San Francisco, so that if anybody wants to get in touch with me for readings and so forth, I am in both locations now. Magic, I went to your website, and you have an intriguing header. I'll read it for our listeners. Magic Tarot Card Readings, Mapping the Journey. I'm wondering, what is the journey? The journey is life itself. We are all on a journey. And the tarot is actually a map of life. It maps out the wisdom and experiences and knowledge that has been acquired for thousands of years by humans. And it's been shared in this tool. So when we have a question or a circumstance, we can look at the archetypal patterns that the tarot reveals and understand and become consciously aware of our process. Whereas very often in life, we just feel pushed and pulled by circumstances. The troll office is a way to be conscious and to see what the signposts are telling us, what the individuals are in our life and how they are advantageous or how we need to learn from that experience. So a troll can answer any question about any circumstance, and it offers us the guidance on the journey, like a tour guide on your own life. Where does the information come from? Well, many different systems. The Kabbalah, which is a system of Hebrew mysticism that's been connected to the Tarot, so the two systems fit perfectly. I use astrology, numerology, union archetypes. All of those systems, even the I Ching, I pull in sometimes. And the colors and the rainbow and their different views and vibrations are a part of it. And, in fact, what you're getting is from, very importantly, it's a picture book. It's a picture book of life. So every image stimulates a part of us that's more on a symbolic level. And symbols go past the logical mind and go straight to the soul connection, to a reflection of oneself. They bypass all of the judgmental, good, bad, logical, and go straight to the intuitive And what people get, in fact, in the introduction to my Tarot book, which will be coming out this year, by the way, I use this phrase, the soul rejoices in hearing what it already knows. So all of these spiritual tools in the world are really meant to help us know ourselves, to validate our inner knowing, and to hit tools and wisdom to manifest who we are in this world for the highest good. You do every year an annual tarot reading for the world, and I know there's one for 2016 on your website. I'm wondering if we could go through that. Does that sound like a good idea? Sure. So, yes, I'm very excited about the current reading, and 
one of the reasons I do readings for the world is because I want people to know that this tool can be used to understand the big picture. Traditionally, it's mainly been used as a personal tool. But like the I Ching and any divinatory tool, we can take it to the world level. And because I'm also an activist involved in, you know, midwifing this new time that we're coming into and this deep transition, I like to look at the big picture and to use this lens for that, I think is a wonderful way to see it. And in my book, I also go into how certain cards can be interpreted as lenses for social phenomenon and cultural change and shifts in our world. In the reading to the world, I always use the Kabbalah, which is the tree of life layout. And the reason for that is that it's much less about an individual person. The actual layout I use for readings is very personalized, like it's about your past, your subconscious, your future. But this one is about certain elemental or archetypal experiences that each position represents, and the card then is more deeply interpreted through the position that it holds on the tree of life. So, shall I begin? Yes, please. I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) (laughs) With with a nice cup of tea. (laughs) Yes, I have my tea too, (laughs) Mavis. So, the first part of the reading is called the Eon. And the Eon in the old decks was called Judgment. And it represented the kind of Christian interpretation of the Judeo-Christian end of the world and the resurrection with Gabriel blowing the horn and the bodies coming out out of the graves to be judged whether they go to heaven or hell. Well, we'd like to think we're not coming to the end of the world, although we certainly are pushing our luck. So the eon means we are entering a new age. The eon in this position as the top of the tree of life, the crown of the Kabbalah, is the seed of a new beginning. That's what that position is about. And the eon is about each of us really understanding what is our unique gift to give to this world in distress. So more importantly than our relationship to our family, our community, our career, is to know what it is we're here for. What do we know about us, our each individual soul purpose? What is unique? We're not each special. Special is a dangerous word. It puts us above each other. But unique is true. And so we want to ask ourselves, what do I know about myself that I need to manifest and act from right now in this moment of time? Now, that in no way disregards your family or your community, but it's saying that if you are where you need to be in this really tumultuous time, then you'll be serving everyone and everything you love for the highest good. So... This is followed in the reading by the fact that once I was done with the reading, I noticed there were no what we call personality or court cards. And what that means is it isn't about our personalities. It isn't about our egos. It's about our soul purpose. So the whole reading is about everyone. This is the new age. How are you going to help us breathe through this and come out of a very materialistic and violent world into a peaceful and creative and delightful world? So what I'm hearing from you and what our listeners would have an opportunity to do is maybe go to a quiet place and ask themselves, what is my unique gift to give to the world during this time of lots of turbulence and other things? Would that be fair? 
Yes, and that's exactly what you need to do is to come to a place of knowing because then when you make decisions, you'll make them in accordance with that knowing. And then what you can say is, would I know if I do this, I won't regret it. In other words, it doesn't mean because of how it turns out. I know this is what I need to do. I'm in that process. And by the way, there's another card in the reading, I'm going to jump around here a little bit, called the Hermit, which is basically very similar to what you just said, that you need to go into a place of quiet. And, and the Hermit also suggests that sometimes we need to retreat from the hounds of hell that are shown in this image, nipping at his heels. And he needs to turn away and hold his lantern of truth up and remember who we are, who he or she is. The hermit in some decks is also called the crone. It represents the wise old soul, whether it be male or female or whatever gender you want to define yourself as. It's not the point. The point is that you're accessing your ancient, timeless self in those moments. Many of us on the earth right now are feeling overwhelmed with what's going on. So I'd ask your guidance in terms of what type of reflective question or where can we put things so that we're able to honor our unique purpose and not have ourselves overwhelmed by external messages coming in? Because there's tons of them. Where do we go? It's a great question because we really do need to create a balance between being aware and being healthy. So I think what it's important to do is many people try to avoid just knowing about what's happening in the world, but actually I've noticed that that creates depression because you're not, you can't escape. You're in this moment in time, no matter where you are on the planet. And it is becoming a one world, a global situation here. And so I feel like you need to be aware enough to be able to feel what's going on in the world. Sometimes we're going to have to feel great pain for what we see and it's hurt. But to not empathize, we are social beings, to not empathize with each other, to try to avoid it, actually causes ourselves to be depressants. So many people are in a depressant because that's what they've tried to do is push away. That's one thing. There's many causes for depression. I'm not trying to generalize. But also, I'll tell you an interesting story. I feel like all of us, I'm an activist, but all of us need to be activated. What is your unique gift, as I was speaking of earlier? So I think you need to do what you are called to do. Like a young woman in our community heard that they were going to cut down all these beautiful redwood trees and other trees in Courthouse Square in Santa Rosa. And she got activated. She just couldn't stop thinking about it. So she started a website. She called for a a demonstration. We went to the city council meetings. And that's because this one woman who's never done anything like this before knew her soul was saying, I need to do something here. So we can't pick arbitrarily, what should I do? It's not a should. It's a calling. It's, I can't stop thinking about this. I've got to write a letter or I've got to talk to my neighbors or I need to go and meditate and get clear until I can know what I need to do. So we all can know those things by feeling this part of us that just the story or this situation won't let you go. So you need to respond to it. And from a heartfelt consciousness. The other part, as you were speaking, that was coming into me is not to judge your calling. Because what I find often is people may have a calling, but they feel it's only a tiny calling or it's not enough. They don't know where to put it. So I wonder if you've come across that. For example, 
maybe your role, your calling might be to do a letter campaign to support people who are doing good work out there. And you may come to the table and say, well, that's not very big, or that doesn't seem very important. So wondering if you've ever come across uh, people judging their calling, and if you have any tools or any guidance you can give to help a person not judge their calling. Most of that judgment comes from internalized perceptions about what it is to be a good person or what work is, for example. is Oftentimes, artists in particular, I've been told that art isn't actually work, so they would feel that they weren't really doing something if they did just their art, that, that we're just, oh, it's just art. And so a lot of that has been internalized from our culture. And one of the things that is most internalized is that we aren't good just who we are. You know, the greatest thing anyone can be is themselves. And so we need to encourage each other. But of course, in a society like ours, that its whole purpose is to sell you things, first they have to create an inadequacy. It used to be people made things because people needed things. Now they create the need by making inadequacy in us. <laughs> and then we want to have to buy all the time to feel like now I'll be I'll be adequate or I'll be sexy if I have that car or, or I'll be a great person if I make a million dollars. So we've been told things like when the Dalai Lama came to the United States at first, he was he couldn't understand when people said they didn't like themselves. He answered asked the question over and over again. Maybe it's being translated wrong. He just couldn't understand it. He, he didn't understand a culture in which people didn't like themselves. It kind of not in all cultures. There's a more village, communal, tribal feeling of being part of something and being valued just because you are you. And I try to encourage people to know that they have to trust that because it isn't about success or failure. It's about being yourself and continuing to grow. And it is a problem and it needs constant reassurance. And especially that little child in us that got told very young, so we learn to parent ourselves as we get older. We also can use therapy of many kinds. I think that's very helpful. I think it's particularly somatic programs that are coming through now, which deal with the whole body and not just the mind, not just talk therapy, but really where you're feeling things is also a great tool that's really evolving and developing, and a lot more people are using that at this point. Let's go back to 2016. And thank you, Maggie. Okay. Thank you very much for answering that question because that's a really important question to be able to discern and be aware of. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. So the other thing that I just wanted to finish up with with the first card is that most people call this age the age of Aquarius. So in using that analogy, we are coming out of the Piscean age. So the Piscean age is the age of the sacrificed God. That's why... Joan of Arc, Martin Luther King, the Kennedys, it goes on and on. It was a time of the great being pushed to the top and killed and sacrificed. So we're moving out of the sacrifice, God, and we're actually moving into a time. Aquarius is the water bearer. It's an air sign. Air is the element of the mind, but it is a water bearer. Water is the element of emotion. So my interpretation of that is that we are in a time of intelligent love, that love can no longer be mired in false and delusional romanticism or obsessiveness or possessiveness. 
Love is a freeing emotion. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, if you love someone, you want them to be free. That's most important. You want them to be free. You want them to do what they want to do. If that's not going to be with you, that's not your concern. Your concern is that you love them and you want them to blossom. So we have to elevate love because love is the greatest power in the universe. What was it Jimi Hendrix said? When the love of power is overcome by the power of love, we will find peace in the world. So we are moving into this Aquarian dance, and it's very exciting. So the second card of the reading is called Interference. And this card shows eight swords moving in different directions. There's no center to it. And this is a tendency for us to be influenced by external forces, especially around money, success, and fame. So we want to not be fooled by that. And one of the best ways to not be fooled by that is to see yourself as a sun, as a star in yourself, and that your ego's personality needs to orbit around your purpose. That means your schedule, your timing. You can't be running around following everybody else's demands and off your schedule and off your rhythm just to please everyone else because you think that's the only way to get validation. You need to be orbiting your own journey. And so then you're not prone to accidents and things just happening to you. So we need to watch that. You know, Jupiter likes to wave the gold ring at you and say, hey, come do this and you'll make a million and all of these things. And so we need to be careful to stay in our focus. I think that the soccer mom is a classic example of this. Okay. <laughs> like most soccer moms are running around, driving everybody everywhere, making everybody's lunch, taking care of everyone, and that's how they get validation. They're the server. They're on everybody's beck and call. But actually, a mother's greatest gift is to be in her center and to be the wise woman in the family that is compassionate and centered and grounded and has her own focuses and purposes. Like she has to go to her art class every Thursday night, and she doesn't just throw that aside for the children or her husband or all of her other duties. The main thing that often gets us off schedule is that we want to be validated by the other whether it's by money or fame or just by our family. So I think that what you do is you start looking at your timing and your rhythm and make sure you're not rushing around and you're not in your own center. And one way to tell if you're in your rhythm is synchronicity starts happening. Like you're talking about something, oh, I really need to find an apartment. And somebody next to you says, hey, you know, I I just had to uh, move out of my apartment. And you're like, oh. Oh, well, look at that. There's the universe. The universe is always telling us exactly what we need to hear, but we're usually not listening. So shall we go to the magician? I would love that. Okay. So as opposed to a not center, this actually shows the magician tied to his wand of power, and he's juggling all his tools his ability to write and to manifest and the gifts and the swords and everything. And he's tied to this wand, which is his true will. So the magician is represented by the planet Mercury. Mercury is the messenger. It's also the healer. The caduceus is the symbol from Mercury for the medical community. And so this is a card of communication, healing, and synchronicity, all being brought into service of one's true will. And this card is about manifesting one's true will. Now, in the corner of this card, it actually shows 
a ape called the ape of thoughts shaking his fist at the magician and he's logic and he's saying well that's not true or that's not true and the magician's like you know things could be not logical and still true and so he doesn't let logic defeat him he only lets his logic and his rational thought and his intellectual tools serve his intuition and his will and I think it's an important lesson for humans because in our culture, we think that the mind is superior or at best, even better than that would be to say it's equal to the heart, but actually the best is the mind needs to serve the heart because the heart's motivation is loving and the mind separated from the heart can rationalize wars and cruelty and all kinds of things. Whereas if the mind had to bow down to the heart, it couldn't do that. It couldn't do the things, these horrible things. It has to detach itself from caring, to be rational. And some people think that rational is above everything else, and it's actually led us into a very dangerous place. Science is a wonderful tool, not when it's separated from the divine, not when it's separated from the love of life. So in your life, in order to do this work, do you feel that you lead with your heart and that your mind, which obviously is an excellent mind, is a tool? It serves. It serves. And it actually grows in its skills when it is serving the heart because it has the links between different thoughts being linked by emotion. You know, I just heard on the radio today that the Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas said once that 90% of the decisions made in the Supreme Court are made from emotions 10% are the rationale for those emotions. And I thought that was so interesting because the truth is that everything that we're doing starts from an emotion. We try to pretend it doesn't, but it does. The ancient Sanskrit chant that I do every day before I start my work is first I bow down to my heart that awakens my mind to the superconsciousness that lets me see with my third eye and manifests my will. So it's a circular motion. There's gestures that go with that, go, starting from the heart, going up to the mind, down to the physical world. So we need to see it in that way. We need to recognize the beauty of love that rests in our hearts. And then everything comes together with the common purpose that is life-affirming. We're living in a death cult culture. Everything that's happening now is extracting the last things from the great mother to sell on the marketplace, and we all know it can't work anymore, and we're all waking up. You know, humans are great at procrastinating, but I think we're doing a great job at procrastinating as a whole species, but I think we're going to get it just in time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And thank you for sharing your personal perspective on that, Magic. All this is so important to people who are listening, and what I'm trying to do is listen to what you're saying deeply. So thanks for sharing. The hermit I already touched on, which is the next card, Mm -hmm. which is a Virgo card, and Mercury rules Virgo. So it's a very nice transition from the magician to the hermit. So again, the true will is found by retreating and going into oneself and remembering who you are so that the next seed you plant or the next crossroads you're at and you have to make a choice, you do it from a sense of your soul purpose. So if we jump across now to the Two of Wands, this position in the Tree of Life is called severity, and it's a revolutionary change point because this is the point at which the process of planting a seed and growing it now has to actually move into motion. And it shows a Tibetan Dorji. 
In Tibet, the Dorji represents thunder. Thunder awakens in us an awe for the power of the universe, and our ego scampers under the bed. So what this card is saying is burn down all of the old aspects of yourself, the different personalities or masks we put on, so that a new energy can arise that will put you in your domain. You know, the word dominion has been so awfully used, like dominion, we shall have dominion over everything. Mm -hmm. But being in one's domain is a beautiful thing. You're in your realm, your place of power, and you're creating an energy field by offering your unique service in that place of power. So this is the Mars and Aries, the thunder of spring. I feel spring is just going to come in like gangbusters this year and just awaken us and feel the power. Life works in cycles, not linear. It's not running down the race of life. It's like, okay, we're coming out of winter when we let go and composted all those old things, and now we're going to burst a whole new vision in spring. Every year we're offered this opportunity, and this is saying each of us needs to shed those old masks and really come into our domain in service to this change. And to celebrate the change, too. You know, you will be so good at celebrating. It's a really great skill we have. We're great at music and art, and we need to recognize that life is about celebration. That is a purpose. That is a very important purpose. I think Emma Goldman said, if you can't dance, you can't be part of my revolution. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I mean, I'm serious about having a good time. I do activists not because I'm angry and bitter and hostile. I do it because I want to celebrate life, and I don't want anything to happen that would mess with that, and I want to help programs that are serving. You know, in activism, we can do things in beautiful ways. For example, they're trying to turn the Palace of Fine Arts into a private hotel, which is, puts everyone in shock whenever I say it. Anyway, at the palace, there's these figures called the Weeping Woman. And the Weeping Woman were created by a sculptor who called them that, saying they are weeping for a world without art. So a bunch of us are going to dress as the Weeping Woman and go to the Palace of Fine Arts and let people know that we want the Palace of Fine Arts to be a place of art and regenerative programs that help us go through this transition and not be turned into a private hotel when it's the people of San Francisco, it's the people's palace. So we're going to dress like that and we're going to go through the town and we're going to put up posters that a woman has painted a beautiful picture of the palace. So we're using art and theater to express what we want and to actually tapping into the historical reality of these sculptures and bringing them to life. So to me, that's an activism that brings what you're doing at the form in which you express your ideas. Get pictures. I want to see pictures of this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. So the next card in the reading is power, and it's in the central position of the tree of life. So if you notice, now we have dominion and power, and the card following that will be wealth. So I kind of want to tie those three together because these are words that are really need to be understood in new ways. Like dominion doesn't mean power over. It means finding our domain, our realm of power. Power in the central position isn't about a structure of hierarchy. It's about creating order and structure that serves everyone expressing their power from within, not over. And how do we create structures in which they're really strong? And also, in your personal life or your work, 
to create structures where you don't let people in that are going to undermine what you're doing. We need to be conscious of our own boundaries as well so that we're not undermined and we are supported in what our purpose is. And then wealth. You know, wealth has always been thought of more as money in our world. But the Mother Peace deck, which I just love, and Vicki Noble is an incredible woman, she did a Tarot deck called the Mother Peace with Karen Vogel, who's also amazing. And they showed this picture of a circle of people and a woman giving birth. And all the people were there. Some were drumming and some were holding the woman. All were there to help this young woman give birth. So real wealth is community. In these times, nothing's secure. People don't work for 40 years and get a retirement and everything's okay at the same company. There's no security even in the, in the money that's out there. And yet there is security in our communities. We can help each other build this new world. We can help each other build a house, make a business, make a meal. Whatever we need to do, it's community that is our wealth. And by the way, again, the Dalai Lama has said, maybe we don't even need another Dalai Lama. What we need is the Sangha. And I'm not a Buddhist. I'm just saying that he's a Buddhist leader who's really helping the world by saying it's the Sangha. We're coming up as a community. We're coming up as a circle. Not one person in charge, not children being saved, you know, not people being dominated. We're coming up in circles of community for common ground and common purpose. And that is our wealth. And that is where our security is. And that is where our power is, both as individuals and as part of the tribe. And we need to recognize that and work together for common purpose and common ground and share the responsibilities, the work, and the joy and the celebration as a community. So all those cards are redefining dominion, power, and wealth. And I just love that that's all coming up because we need to have a different approach to that. You're listening to Healing Conversations. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Enjoy the show. I'm really excited about my book coming out this year, too, Mildred, and I want to say that I've gotten support from three different powerful women, Mary Greer, Vicki Noble, and Starhawk have all written short blurbs for my book. And the thing that's unique about my book is it really is offering a way to access both your individual purpose, and how that links to everyone else's, that we're not isolated, that we really are all in this together. And I just believe that everybody that's here right now are the midwives of the new age, and that's why we're here, and we're going to live to see it. I don't say it's going to happen someday after I'm gone. I'm going to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll see it in your community. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's where you will see it. I see it all the time, actually. I mean, the truth of the matter is we have all the tools to make this change. We have all of the tools of regenerative energy and technologies, and even we we can learn how to do direct democracy in which everybody's voice is heard. And all of that is right underneath this veneer of an old story. And it's just like, it's like grass under snow. You can't see it, but it's already coming up. And as soon as the spring breaks, we're going to see a lot of green rise up and spread into the sunlight, and I just really look forward to it. 
So maybe we should try to wind up the readings. And then we'll talk about your book. Okay. So the next card is called The Devil or Pan. Now, this is a card that creates a reaction a lot because of the devil aspect. But the devil is really a religious creation of making what is nature evil. Like the pan is actually the goat god, and he is the god of sexuality and celebration and wild places and fertility and the tenacity to try to do something and get a foothold and climb that mountain no matter what. And that's what we need is that tenacity and that love of wildness and, and embodied sexuality that makes us feel alive and ready to go and to take on the world. And that's what this is about. But the sad thing is that because it's been perverted, we have a divided mind and we've been taught in many religious practices that nature and sexuality and sensuality are bad and wrong. And this is just some place to test to see if you'll go to heaven or hell. Well, I definitely don't believe that. And I've got a round trip ticket. I love this place and I want to come back. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> anyway the, the, the devil is about looking at our shadow because the shadow is a tendency to try to manipulate, control, or dominate because that's an addiction. It's all about the addictions. Like, just like alcohol or drugs can be an addiction, so is an addiction to control and power. And that's something that we really need to look at as a shadow, that we're never trying to control or manipulate anyone else and be delusional that it's my true will so I can do anything. That's not the magic of using your imagination to create the highest good. All people that understand magic know that you must do whatever you do for the highest good of all, that you never try to control anything for your own personal manipulation. You really try to serve. So the next card in the position of the foundation of Tree of Life is the Death Rebirth card. And it's the only card in the element of water. There's a whole suit of water called cups. None of them are in the reading. Only the element of the Scorpio card of Shiva dancing the destruction of the old to stir up the waters of life to let the new bubbles rise to the surface. So all of our old stagnant relationships, all of our feelings of bitterness or, or revenge or anything that we feel towards anybody, we need to compost all of that. By the way, the death energy around relationships, some people have this idea, well, I'm done with that relationship. I'm cutting them off. Don't cut people. Don't make death. Just let go. Release. Release and let it be transformed, and maybe you'll have a different time with that person or maybe not. But we don't want to have a violent feeling of ending and cutting and death. Really, this card, in some decks, it's called letting go or transformation. So that's what the beauty of death is, is that you can let things go. You can let them go back into the earth and be composted and grow something new. But it's time to get rid of all those old stories that make us hold things against our dearest beloved because we need to create peace in the world. And if we want it, the hardest place is actually where we turn out to be, the people close to us, the people we deal with every day. So if we want peace, we need to say, I'm willing to sit in this fire and transform this energy and find the love again. And that leads us to the final card in the reading, which is peace. Um, when I saw this card, I was like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, because this is moon and Libra, the intuitive feminine dreaming Libra, a world of justice and balance and fairness, being at peace with ourselves as mothers nurturing this earth, at peace with the earth itself, peace with whether we want to have children or not, which is a choice, being at peace with all the aspects of the great mother and how we find balance with her and we abide by the laws of nature and make our laws support those laws and not be imposed upon them, upon the earth. So we're coming to this sense of peace, and it makes me so happy to see this as the final card. And when you say final card, what does that mean? The final card in the reading is number 10. It's in the position called Malkut, which is also called Kingdom, and it's the only place on the Tree of Life that actually represents the physical world. So all the other steps are stages we're going through to manifest something. We start with a seed, and then we have to go through all of the different stages to actually make something real. And so what's being made real by all these stages we've seen here in this deck is the two of swords, the peace card in the position, the final position on the earth plane. So it is the outcome, a conclusion of this process. I can see going through the ten cards and applying them to my life. And you have enough information there on your website that would instruct or guide in terms of how to tease out the key points and explore them on a personal basis. And you could even expand that to a community or a world basis, whatever jingles your bells. Would that be something that you would recommend people do? Or how to approach all this wonderful information? That's an excellent idea, and I just recently did a presentation to a group of people in San Francisco and gave a talk about the annual reading, and people really enjoyed it. Yes, you need to know how to do it for yourself personally and see this as a process in the bigger picture so that when you're looking at the world, you can understand, you know, when something, we see a death or a letting go, then we can say, oh, I understand that's part of the process that has to happen, and when you see someone letting go of an old job, even though it might not look logical to you, and they go out of the corporate world and become an artist, and you're like, what is crazy? They have this great job and salary. And it's like, no, that's what they needed to do to be authentically themselves. And also, you know, of course, I am always available for personal consultations. I also do readings at corporations. I've actually done on microsystems, a vice president used to bring me all his new employees for a team. I would do readings for all of them, and with their permission, I would tell him what their assets were that might work for the community. So I can help businesses. I've done that for traditional medicinals and daily acts. I've done it for the Harmony Festival, and I can do parties and showers and weddings and individual consultations. I also do relationship readings as well. So however I can serve you, I love my work. I love empowering people. I love the tarot. You know, just being you is the greatest gift. And as Martha Graham said, if you don't get this gift in this life, it's lost forever. Because even if you believe in reincarnation, you're never going to be Mildred in this body, in this time, in this way. And you have a gift to give. And you're giving a gift by what you're doing, bringing other voices into conversation about things that are happening in this very crucial time. So I want to give you gratitude for the work that you're doing in the world as well. Thank you very much. Now I want to hear about your book. (laughs) So there's a couple of unique elements. The first section about the major icon is called 
a journey through the archetype. So I actually described the 22 archetypal cards like as if you were taking a journey through life. So we start with the fool, and uh, all of the different cards are described as this is the next stage, this is what follows that. So you can actually imagine yourself taking a journey through life through the major arcana. And then also I do include a big section on how to do a reading. So a lot of people say, oh, you don't even need the cards. It's just all intuition, right? And I'm like, no. I trust the cards, and they have a wealth of information about astrology and all these different things. So I explain how to do a reading in great detail and how to weave in astrology and numerology. I have a section on the Kabbalah. I have a section on numbers. And I try to show people Tarot is logical and intuitive. Like, you can see equations sometimes in the numbers. And I also show how to figure out your life card and what your life lesson is in terms of the drill and what year you're in now. And there's all the different formulas for doing all of those things explained very specifically in my book. Also, another unique aspect, because I'm also a spoken word artist and a poet, is that I put in a number of poems as illustrations as well as one for my daughter, April, who, by the way, I have to say, she's been my priestess through life, and she was born in my priestess year, which is a formula in the tarot. And she's the one that made me write the book. She has always gotten me to do things. She just kept saying, Mom, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. I didn't actually think of writing a book myself. She's the one that followed me around with a notebook saying, Mom, you need to teach a tarot class. And she wouldn't stop until she got me teaching a class writing the book, <laughs> and so I give her great gratitude for that and inspire me in that way. And when is the book coming out? Like, and how would people get a hold of the book, all those goodies? I will have a newsletter and announce it, and it'll be on the website. I'm going to have my website updated so it's got the book on it. Anybody can get in touch with me, magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, tarot, T-A-R-O-T dot com. So that's magic at magic dot com. And my phone number is 707-327-7940. And I think it'll be out hopefully by summer. I'm still in the process, but that's my goal. Okay, that sounds like a good goal. And your website address, please, Magic www.magictarot.com, M-A-G-I-C-K-T-A-R-O-T.com. So other than the book, I'm curious, and other than I know you do workshops and you do individual readings and you went through different venues that you're in service to, anything else coming up? One of the things that I work on a lot of my life is I really have a dream that all of us humans will learn what it means to live in direct democracy. So it is my dream to, and I'm working in San Francisco with many of the groups that are trying to create a real democracy. And that means every voice counts. We facilitate in circles meetings. We're not chairmen of the board. And so I hope that everyone comes into their own power in this time and recognizes and speaks their voice and gives their gift to the world. And I'm going to do everything I can to serve people in that way. And on a personal level, after listening to everything that you do and everything you're involved in, and I hear the enthusiasm and fun in your voice, what do you do to cultivate balance and inner peace? Well, I do meditation and yoga every day. Mm-hmm. Whenever I need renewal, nature is always there to hold me in its arms and embrace me. And I have a wonderful family. I have three grown daughters who are just amazing 
people, and I have grandchildren and who I spend time with, and I am now also part of a communal household in San Francisco with seven other people in which we eat together, shop together, garden together, and create a communal household together. And being with other activists, the love between activists is the love of justice in the world, and it's a powerful love. And so all of those things feed my soul and keep me grounded and keep me coming back to the present moment, always back to the present moment. I like what Thich Nhat Hanh says, may I meet this moment fully, may I meet it as a friend. And you can just walk along. It's a nice walking meditation. May I meet this moment fully. May I meet it as a friend. And may I be kind. And may I be loving. And may I be grateful. And I like may I instead of affirmations, aspirations. I learned this from Pema Children. Is aspirations are saying may I. When you say, well, I'm going to do this thing, then the the little voice is insecure in you says, well, you didn't do it yesterday. <laughs> all your, your little insecurities have a voice. But if you just say, may I, it's just asking, may I? It's, may I do this? And so it has an opening and a potential that can't be denied. You're not making claims. You're opening the door. I love that. And also, you know, you got to eat good. <laughs> and, I mean, Seriously, food is just wonderful, and we need to we need to eat organic and live in a world that's healthy. And I think it's food and nature are the greatest. And being with the people we love and being touched and held are the greatest medicines in the world. Anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we sign off? Any little words of wisdom? Big words of wisdom? A perspective? A little song? <laughs> a poem? Magic? This is your moment. <laughs> well let's see you know I just want everyone to know that they're just precious and they have something so wonderful to give and this is the time to give it don't wait don't wait if everyone wants to receive what you have to give in fact the word Kabbalah means to receive and we're here to receive and give love and celebrate this life and create and discover and I invite everyone to take life and just drink it in. Drink it in. It's beautiful. Thank you for listening for this episode of Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn. Magic, I loved our time together. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you here. I know your message will be heard and appreciated by many people. And you have a wonderful day in Sebastopol or San Francisco. (laughs) Mildred, it's just an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye for now. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. Airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com.